just like having this idea and sort of dispelling this myth that like people who start businesses have business degrees or, you know, mm-hmm. have sort of lots of experience with this sort of thing. And I think really you just need the passion and you need the vision and you need to know what you don't know. And you need mm-hmm. to know how to find people who know what you don't know. Yes. Yes. Um, and who share that vision and to work yeah. together to build it. Welcome to episode four of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today's episode is actually pretty special. I have two guests on, uh, and it's important that they came on together because they started a business together. Um, And you'll get to meet them and hear their backgrounds. And we really juggled this double interview process, I think, pretty well. Uh, For me, you know, having only interviewed a handful of folks so far, I think, you know, getting to hear both voices about why they studied what they studied, the change they want to make in the world, and how they're using that business, a new business that they came up with to really implement that change. The first guest is Lindsay Nelson, who has a MS in engineering education. He is an engineer who honestly believes that the power of a passionate, committed educator has the power to change the world. And I obviously agree. Lindsay co-founded the Master's Teachers Collective with my other guest, who I will get to in a moment. And the concept behind their business is they take master teachers who work together and they create high quality, affordable online classes to delight students' curiosity, support their intellectual development, and open opportunities for the traditionally underserved population. They want to create an environment where the teachers can flourish and they're in charge of, you know, how they create their classes and how they're helping uh, their students. And Lindsay's partner, Laura Beth, is an educator and a native New Yorker. She is currently a professor of applied theater at Toro College, and she runs her own coaching business for actors in New York City, which is called The Work NYC. She's earned her BA from Brown and a theater arts and master's degree in applied theater from City University of New York in 2012. So this conversation, this interview is deep and it really speaks to the educator in me um, who got into teaching to change the world. And they're using that same passion that many teachers have to start a business that really puts the students front and center and gives teachers the ownership of the content they put out there. And so it's such a fascinating conversation because we talk about why institutions are failing us and who they're failing and, you know, who they're leaving behind. So I know (laughs) that my audience listening and the, the general, you know, population who is questioning, uh, the school system, you are going to enjoy this interview. And I actually think, um, some listeners may even want to apply (laughs) to be a part of their school. So without further ado, we have Lindsay and Laura Beth. All right. So welcome, Lindsay and Laura Beth. I am stoked for this interview. I've been listening back to my interviews and I say excited a lot. So I'm using a different word today. <laughs> Yay. Way to change um, your vocabulary. I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey, I'm a per- I've been out of the game for a little while. I haven't been uh, doing as much writing as I used to do. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited you guys are here. Uh, Lindsay Nelson and I go way back, uh, way back in the entrepreneur space. And I've, you know, been 
been bringing on a lot of my close entrepreneur friends. And I'm starting to realize I've surrounded myself with really smart people. And Lindsay has started a business actually with Laura Beth. And um, we'll get to hear both their stories. So this is my first podcast interview with two guests. Um, who are uh, in a partnership and have started a business together um, or started some sort of a venture, which is super exciting. So I, I can't wait to dive into that. So because we want to stay within the hour frame, time frame, give or take a few, um, we do want to learn about each of your backgrounds that brought you to this moment. And then there will be this beautiful crescendo of like where you guys <laughs> meet and we can learn about your new business. So welcome, guys. Thanks. Happy to be here. So excited to be here. Yay. Yeah, this is really fun. <laughs> so um, let's start with Laura Beth, because I already know Lindsay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm picking, I'm picking, <laughs> I'm picking to hear from Laura Beth first. But Laura Beth, why don't you tell us a little bit about your academic background, uh, what you studied, what got you into, you know, pursuing grad school, what you studied in grad school. So, you know, the kind of Cliff Notes version of that. For sure. Um, so I went to undergrad at Brown University. Um, I started off as an East Asian studies major because I was in love with everything Japanese. Um, didn't like the head of the program, really liked the drama classes, um, never thought about studying drama in a sort of formal way. I was always really interested in acting, but like performance theory and theater history didn't interest me as much. Um, ended up majoring in theater arts, fell in love with it. Um, theater history is actually the way that I learned Western history. Um, because I never had a formal class in like Greek or Roman um, civilizations. So it was really cool to kind of learn about it from that angle. Um, I also think that the culture at Brown really determined a lot about A, like how I see my pedagogy and B, um, how I think about learning because 70% of what I learned, I learned from the other students in my class. Um, yes. I literally was Love in that. class with uh, one student who had been homeless the previous year and the princess of Greece who sat behind me in my theater history class. Um Ooh. Yeah. So it made for some really, really interesting discussions. Um, I had really passionate teachers and um, I sort of think Brown was the kind of place where you just sort of take all the kids from high school who had these like really kind of weird, like esoteric interests and you put them all in one place and it just kind of throbs. Um, that's the best way to describe it. So that's really... Um, I think as director of personnel in this endeavor, um, the kind of culture that I want to bring to MTC. Um, so I studied Brown undergrad. And then after I graduated, I went to uh, the Delarte International School of Physical Theater, where I studied clowning and mime and acrobatics um, and Tai Chi. <laughs> um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and they had a, so that's based in Northern California. So I went there and at the, and that was a nine month uh, certificate professional training program, um, at the end of which we had this really, really cool thing called a rural residency. Um, now, I had always been interested in um, social justice and in theater. I'm Puerto Rican. Um, I found that a lot of theater training was, you know, uh, a lot of it was sort of written and created for upper middle class white men and women. Mm -hmm. um, so as an actor, I felt kind of like the rules of training didn't didn't quite fit my experience. Um, so then this rural residency happened and we went on, uh, we went to a Native American reservation. We camped out there for about three weeks, no teachers, no nothing, just two cohorts of students. Um, 
we got to know the community. We taught local, we taught classes in acrobatics and tumbling and clowning uh, for the kids at the local elementary school. Um, We learned about what kind of issues their community was facing. Um, And this indigenous community was uh, dealing with a dam that was about to be built um, on a river that was very sacred to them. Um, That would pretty much destroy all of the salmon. And the salmon are sort of the major uh, figure in their religion. Uh, so then at the end of three weeks, we created um, a site-specific piece of theater um, that was that was in conjunction with the community. And we used the kids in the performance. Um, and that just really made me see the possibilities of what theater can do um, and how it can be so much more than just entertainment. You know, it can bring people together. It can affect change. Um you know, it can foster really interesting dialogue. Um, so I was really interested in working with uh, with marginalized communities in particular, uh, which led me to grad school um, to seek my master's in applied theater. Um, now, the way that I describe applied theater uh, is it's theater that um, is applied to something. But I like to say that it's theater that's used to create and strengthen communities. Um, so that's essentially, uh, yeah, I think kind of my training. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. We have a lot in common, actually. <laughs> oh, now that really? I think about this, I did, um, yeah, like different paths. But um, part of my graduate work uh, was in, um, well, in some of the courses that I I took and, and chose, but it wasn't actually what I ended up researching. But my dissertation advisor was really big on bilingual education um, and, and in Indigenous communities specifically. Oh, and wow. I spent two summers in Ecuador um, in the middle of the Amazon jungle, very similar with my professor and several students. And we co-created an English language learning curriculum using their language as the center of it and their oh. life and their surroundings. Yeah. And it, it's, what's interesting is like English wasn't actually seen as the colonial language Spanish was, right? So mm-hmm. um, th- it was, they invited us. It was this whole, right? That was very important to my school and my advisor and us going in that we weren't just saying like, oh, you guys need to learn English. They were like, no, we need to learn English so we can stop um, the oil companies from taking our land. That right was like yeah. why they did it. So Amazing. anyways, I love that. I haven't gotten to share that yet on the podcast. <laughs> That's really cool. And I was like, whoa, we did like similar stuff. And how yeah, long did you three say? Weeks, three weeks. Three weeks. Wow. Three yeah. weeks in both in both cases. Yeah. yeah. So um it was amazing. And we actually had theater was a big part of us really getting to know the community. We did performing um we did uh, performances around um, their like the stories, uh, you know, the passed on stories of like the gods and, and all this stuff. Wow. And so and like the things they revered. So we would retell their myths and legends and, and, wow. and, and we acted it out and stuff like that. That's so amazing. That's really funny. Yeah. That's so really cool. Really cool. Um, so yay, welcome. Thank you. That's an awesome background. Oh, I forgot to <laughs> I mention. Lindsay, I'm sorry. To... <laughs> I forgot to mention. Yeah. I was also an actor sure. for a long time. Um, ah. and and I and part of my transition from being exclusively an actor to being an educator was sort of kind of becoming a little disillusioned with the politics of the business. Um, mm. And the limitations and sort of the limited idea of what theater can do and what it could be for and who it was for, mm. you know, who like I would, even, mm-hmm. you know, even as an actor, like I went to see In the Heights um, on Broadway and I was like, and, you know, and as a Puerto Rican individual, I was like really excited and I was like, yes, you know, Latinos are being represented on Broadway. And I went and I was so disappointed. 
Um, you know, I felt like really like we're not holding Latino writers to the same standard. Like, you know, this mm. is this is being revered, but it's not particularly good work. Um, it's not even that good. Yeah, no, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not particularly good work. And, you know, I also yeah. thought that like it sort of reinforced these stereotypes of, you know, who Latin people were. And as an actor, I was like, really, this is what I'm supposed to aspire to. Like, there's so much more than that, you know, like. There mm-hmm. seems something wrong with like, you know, a lot of tourists coming in to like see this show about people who live in Manhattan that they could see on the subway, you know, like they could take the subway yeah. and go to the Heights and like eat there and like talk mm-hmm. to people rather than go and sit and, you know, pay $250 for consume it in that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that was part of it too. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks sure. for adding that in. Yeah, that's <laughs> very important. Awesome, Linz. Well, you're up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't be sort of more, um, kind of antithetical, you know, starting <laughs> uh, my undergraduate degrees in mechanical engineering. So, you know, that just sort of gives you a feel here, right? Wah, so, wah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I grew up as a kid in Northeastern Minnesota, fascinated with the space program. And so, you know, I wanted to study aerospace engineering, um, didn't really have a lot of um, guidance and insight about how to pursue the career kind of beyond just like a sense that maybe aerospace engineering would be important, but I didn't have a lot of um, support navigating through the the four years of of college. Um, But then, you know, it got time for senior design where all of a sudden I had to try to find projects that I was actually interested in. Um, And that was an interesting struggle because I had been sitting here going like, I think I maybe want to be a professor. I, I want to make a difference. I want to connect with people. Like I want sort of my professional life to matter. And so I had stumbled across professors sort of working in developing countries. And I'm like, well, that could be cool as a way to sort of bring my like engineering nerdy self uh, fully into some really neat work. Um, and you know, I'm a senior in mechanical engineering at this point and um, getting ready to do my senior design project. And there was a there was a point at which there was this really sort of haphazard wheelchair uh, design um, in uh, Nigeria, I believe. Like it's starting to all fuzz together. Um, and, you know, I kind of tried to get a little bit more information about the project from an engineering standpoint, but I was talking to an English professor, so it was kind of awkward. Um, but then when I went back uh, to propose it to my senior design professor, it was I was greeted with, well, that's not real engineering. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, what is wrong with this picture? Like, mm. you know, like it, what 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 makes this not real engineering? What makes this not worthy of, of engineering? And that has become sort of a rallying wow. cry of everything that I've done because I could appreciate that my classmates weren't interested in what I was interested in doing. Um, and so we didn't have an opportunity. I couldn't find classmates interested uh, to work on the project with me. So that was a you know big strike there as well. But I'm like, well, my classmates don't think it's interesting because my professors don't think that it's interesting. Like there's definitely like a chicken and egg problem here um, going on. So maybe I want to go to graduate school and become a professor mm-hmm. to kind of be the change. Um, but, you know, the ability about what you can do and like, that's not the right motivation to like enter into a PhD program, like especially as like a first generation college student who really didn't know what I was getting into. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and so, but I got really into this question about, um, so I tried, I tried PhD studies and then I'm like, I think I'm doing this because I want to teach, but I don't have any teaching experience and PhD programs are life sucking and brutal and not a lot of fun. So let me go get teaching some teaching experience because if I'm doing this to teach, I should mm-hmm. know that I like teaching. 
Um, so I went and I tried to teach physics, wounded some children in the process, uh, and um, in, in a boarding school. Like, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about teaching. Um, and then I got stuck into physics education research, but I'm like, I am, I'm so not a physicist. You know, you don't realize the tensions between the disciplines until you're like in it at like the PhD level. And you're like, mm, no, I, I really, really, really don't care about nuclear physics. I'm sorry. I really just, I just don't. Um, I won't tell then, Derek. I'll let him. I won't let him. Uh, He'll okay, be sad. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> I'm sure that. he would say similar things about engineering. <laughs> yeah, probably. We'd probably go to. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But that's what we no. do as academics. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, but then I found that there was engineering education uh, programs at uh, Purdue University, Virginia Tech. And so I started in on that and, you know, finally had the space to kind of like ask the questions of like who, what is engineering and who gets to decide and what do power dynamics look like and what is design? And, you know, but my passion has always been this question of what can I do with under five bucks with an interested and motivated kid? Like, what can I do mm. with under $5 worth of supplies with an interested and motivated kid? Um, and, you know, it's really hard to find an outlet for that. And then, um, you know, through a series of life circumstances that are far outside of the scope of what I want to talk about here, um, you know, I just found myself falling down the entrepreneurial rabbit hole. So I, I, I left with my master's degree and really started teaching. And I have fallen in love with online teaching because I have no overhead. Mm. I have to think creative. Yeah. I have no, I have no lab, right? Like I have to think really, ca- mm-hmm. I have to think really creatively yeah. about like what supplies my students Preach. can have and cannot have. <laughs> and, you know, but I just, I'm in a totally different design space and I'm just having the time of my life. Um, thinking about how do I get really, really affordable, really, really accessible and really, really, really pedagogically sound engineering education to people like from every background and like everywhere, everywhere. And like to be online and do this where you can just like be there and like get the passion out because you have such a wide audience that like you don't have kids who are stuck with you for like a full year who don't want to be there. They can, they can sort of opt in and opt out as works for them. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm passionate about finding, okay, I see this in this kid and I know that there's this mentor over here. So how can I facilitate those introductions so that the kid who wants to be an actor and needs to train as an actor and needs that connection can connect to somebody like Laura Beth or the kid who wants to be a journalist can connect with the political lawyer that I know who's really amazing. Right. Cool. And so, you know, I just want to facilitate, like I want to be this amazing facilitator of networks and kids. And so that when we have like engineering students who want to do high context design work that can actually change the world for the better then they find me mm. because other people are passing those same kids to me so that we can try to just play a gigantic game of chess with career development in kids. So yeah. Oh, I love it. This is- so this is cool. So <laughs> what I so what I love about this. So I th- I want to hear about that choice. So you brushed over it quickly, but it, this choice, this moment, the day where you're like this isn't enough. Um, I need to go online. And I know some of your backstory, Lindsay, because I know you personally, and you don't have to get into that. But can you kind of tell the audience and Laura Beth, same question to you after Lindsay goes, Sure. when you decided to make that like, hey, let me like try going online and, you know, doing this for a little while, like where'd that idea come from? And what was your mindset around going, this actually wasn't the path that I thought I was going to take, because that's really important uh, to people listening listening is kind of that transition moment or that, you know, the one of those moments where you can't like unthink that thought, right? So if you could bring us back to that, that would be awesome. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, like the moment was sort of in this question about like, does my dissertation matter? Um, Does like, what is going to be the impact of my dissertation? What is going to be the, the impact? Who is it going to be accessible to? Um, where is this going to go anyway? And, you know, and the idea that I would devote so much time, energy and effort to writing this massive document to maybe have three or four people in the world be able to understand it and to still be writing it for somebody who's like, well, what's this? So what? Why does it matter? And like not being able to help me connect the dots. And it's just like, you know, these are these are really, really challenging uh, questions um, from the from the standpoint of this is my career. This is my life. This is my, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, and when I just really sat with it, um, I, um, I just, I just, I, 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 I couldn't sit with it. Um, and I couldn't sit with it from sort of an ethical standpoint. And when I also thought about like the job markets about like, well, I'm on this fringe in my discipline. I'm on a fringe discipline anyway, and I'm on this fringe. Like, could I really, um, could I really do this? Um, and you know, the, 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 the question is, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think that I can. Um, and so, you know, when it came down to this question about like, talking to like specialists versus talking to everyone, then that was really what led me to go um, online and really think about online. Love it. Awesome. Thanks. How about you, Laura Beth? Well, I think um, as an actor, I sort of touched on this, but I had always had kind of questions about the relevance of what I was doing. Um, and I'd always had questions about, you know, what it is to live a meaningful um, and an active life. Um, and then the world went crazy. <laughs> um, you Which know, time? I'm, Which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give us right. the time of the year because um, there's uh, many crazies. So <laughs> let's say uh, spring of 2016. Yeah, that um, would be a time that know, I would think yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then the world went crazy and I, I'm an adjunct professor um, and my job depends on enrollment numbers um, and my supervisor, for whatever reason, um, uh, we, we unfortunately, I didn't get classes um, for the summer uh, for the summer break. So economic, you know, so it was purely for economic reasons that I was like, well, you know, I can't apply to schools right now because it's August, you know, everybody's out. Um, you know, how do I, I have a coaching business here in New York, um, for actors. Oh, cool. Um, so I'd been doing that. Um, and then I was looking at, uh, a platform that offered flexible jobs that you could work, you know, that you do from home. Um, and I found, and I found this platform, um, and, uh, and I'd been teaching and I started teaching on this platform in August. Um, and I just fell in love with the format. Like it was so, it was so cool to meet so many students from, so many different parts of the U S. Um, and also like this sort of, um, I really liked the idea of like, just sort of being at home, being in someone's home, but being in a work environment. I thought I loved, I loved the culture of that. Um, I also, I also think, you know, as a teacher, when I, when I was, when I talked to my students, a lot of whom are first generation immigrant students, um, you know, I had been thinking a lot at the time, you know, in spring of 2016 about what activism looks mm. like. Um, and, um, 
you know, especially in the wake of, you know, protests where people are being mowed down by cars, where people are being beaten up, you know, how can we be active um, and be responsible in a way that doesn't jeopardize our personal safety? Um, So I would tell my students, you know, they can take away your rights, they can take away your immigration status, you know, they can take, they can take away your family, but they can't take away your brain. Yeah. And they can't take away knowledge, you know, knowledge is power. Um, So I told them, I was like, you all have a moral obligation to learn from each other. Um, and you know, to, to do the best that you can. Um, so one of the things that I liked about the online format was that it really facilitated that sort of open, um, access to different kinds of folks, Mm. um, and therefore opportunities for different kinds of learning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I found that the online format also just really kind of expanded my pedagogy, um, in this cool way. And I started thinking, okay, well, how can I take my applied theater work and adapt that to the internet? Like, how do I wed the two? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Very cool. And then I met Lindsay. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. So this is this is the crescendo we've all been waiting for. So um and either one of you can take this this question. So um you guys end up in the same space and and um and on this platform, right? One teaching, you know, engineering, Lindsay teaching engineering and Laura Beth teaching theater, I presume. Yes. Um yeah. So so you guys are here and um I would love to hear a little bit of um of how you guys maybe met each other and then and, and then and then you can get into the story of like the birth of your of your business and your partnership. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, this is one of the joys of the internet, right? Right. You get to connect with people all over the place. And so, you know, when you're working on a platform, you will sort of have kind of common spaces where you gather and then, you know, somebody just says something that kind of catches your eyes. You're like, oh, that's really cool. And then you start uh, talking and then it was just like, you know, as an engineer, I'd been looking for somebody with Laura Beth's passion to reach the the population of students Laura Beth is po- passionate about, and I'm like, no way! Like and it was just like <laughs> it was just sort of like that, like you know, almost instant like heart level connection where you're just like, you're doing a thing that I'm really trying to do too, and we got to do this <laughs> together because it's going to be amazing if we if we can join forces. And yeah. So yeah, but that's that's kind of how we got in on it was mm-hmm. you know just hearing the stories about like what excited us about working with the students that we were working with and like the commonalities, Mm -hmm. um, was, was, was really, um, was really, uh, was really different. And, you know, and so things like that, um, was, um, you know, sort of a, a huge, huge part of, of, of this. And so the, um, yeah, but that was, uh, that was, a. a, a a big and uh, significant part of how we kind of got going on this was just sort of that, that common audience, that common cause, that common passion, and also just sort of like recognizing a skill set that you know that you have in your own domain in somebody else's, like in a very different domain where you're like, very different dip- like discipline. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I can tell Laura Beth is a fantastic acting teacher where I'm like, I'd want to learn from, from Laura Beth because we learned so much together. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like acting terrifies me and then to know that Laura Beth feels kind of the same way about engineering is really fun because it's just like we want to have those we want to be able to create those transformative experiences for students and kind of bring that passion and energy uh, together yeah 
And we really are stronger together, you know, like when we put our heads together, you know, like, I, I mean, there are certain things that my brain doesn't do. Mm-hmm. And so I call Lindsay up and I say, Lindsay, my brain can't do this. Can you crunch the numbers on this? Yep. And then Lindsay will crunch the numbers on it. Um, you know, and part of what's also great about coming from totally different backgrounds is that we really, we're really big on transparency, mm. um, which I find to be so refreshing when you're in a business venture yep. with someone because you have to be clear, yep. you know. Um, and you have to be open and you have to have those conversations. Yep. Um, so, oh, you know, Lindsay and I have really, uh, we're really, you know, we're both very different people, but we share the same passion for education and for what good looks like in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think it's been really kind of a fantastic adventure little joint joint thing you guys got going. Yeah, I, I was am in, I guess, kind of a business partnership too. Um, and I would say some of the, the true markers of it is the same vision for like where it's going and keep checking in with that transparency and honesty um, around money. And you know, I mean, all the things hiring and team, and yep. I mean, all the stuff. Um, and then the, I think the important part that people don't realize is uh, complementary skill sets. <laughs> and it sounds like that's what you guys have. Right. So we have an engineer, we have a theater, we maybe, you know, like there's these different um, ways that maybe you do work that that it really feels like a partnership. Right. And so um, and I think when you can see those qualities in the other person um, and you're like, oh, they make me better because they bring this out in me. That's like a really good like start to a business relationship. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about this Vi- like this business and what the vision is that you guys share and and kind of the the motivation behind starting this because I think that what you guys are doing is amazing and so um and we talked about it a little bit before I you know turned on the recording but like yeah give us the lowdown what did you what is this business and why did you start it well I think first and foremost Lindsay and I really wanted to be the change that we wanted to see and we wanted to model that from the ground up um how we did that uh, you know, we talked to uh, Lindsay. I'll let you take it from here. But you know, because Lindsay is the the nuts and bolts person. I'm the the vision person. <laughs> the vision person. Yeah. Cool. So um, we have the the master teachers collective. It was born out of some conversations that we had um, with people on uh, on the platform uh, that we were we we worked with and, and met through. Um, and the uh, idea here is that. Um, you know, when you've kind of crested that like experience threshold where you actually know some things about how your discipline works and how it's put together and how to shepherd students through that, um, there, there's something really special about master teachers. And there's something very special about the energy and guidance and passion when you get a slew of master teachers uh, together in a room uh, committed to doing the same thing. And so what we've committed ourselves to is de- delivering affordable, accessible, high quality um, online education, uh, both available through um, asynchronous classes so that students can kind of access the knowledge on their own time and the activities on their own time and live classes so that you benefit from having a master teacher in the room because it, uh, a fundamental conviction is is that as soon as you have sort of someone who cares about pedagogy putting together resources whether it's uh, uh, a independent activity or whether it is um, an independent or uh, a led activity facilitated guided directed activity that's live 
um, magic happens in the room. And, you know, and true master teachers know how to um, infuse that power of that live connection, even in an asynchronous format. Um, because, you know, a lot of it is, is, you know, I've been teaching engineering online for a while now and just seeing the pent up demand and knowing sort of the limitations of what I can do. It's like, okay, well, how can I multiply my own, uh, my own effectiveness? And, you know, and I think that, this is something that has driven me, but also then the power of, of knowing some things about online business means that scaling is, is, is possible and that scaling is, is a way that we can, we can move forward. Cool. Laura Beth, anything to add? Maybe drop in some of that visionary yeah. stuff you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, you know, as kind of a kid who was born in, born in Brooklyn, you know, to a Puerto Rican family under the poverty line, it was really important, um, for me to give back to my community, you know? Um, and I currently live in Harlem. Um, you know, I see a lot of students who don't have after school activities who kind of just like to get into trouble. Um, and I think, you know, taking a class on like, you know, medieval history or, you know, an acting class or a spoken word class would just benefit them so much. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was also really important to me that it be affordable, you know, and also, I mean, I think as, as director of personnel, I think that one of the things that we're looking at um, in terms of recruiting master teachers is looking for teachers who know what they know and know what they don't know and know how to situate their pedagogy um, in the present, um, so, you know, master teachers know what they don't know and they really seek to gain those skills. And so one of the things that we thought would be amazing, um, is, you know, sort of really hand selecting a group, um, who could share these really cool skill sets. Um, I remember in, at, at one point I was talking to a history teacher and, uh, this history teacher found out I had a background in theater. And then we ended up talking about how she could incorporate playwriting and acting into her medieval history history class. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, exactly. So the idea is that when all these teachers, you know, when all the teachers put their heads together, everybody wins, right? The teachers win because they learn more about their pedagogy. The kids win because there's constant, you know, innovation happening in terms of ways to disseminate information. Um, and because we're an organization that is run by and for teachers and students, you know, we were really confident that we had learned from the mistakes in the brick and mortar schools that we'd worked in, the online platforms that we'd worked in, and we could take what the knowledge that we'd accumulated and really create something good for people. I love that. That's awesome. And I and like so much is coming up for me. Like I'm like sitting here thinking about how the economy and like the like labor market is. Here's the sociologist. Who's coming. Here she comes. Um, right, right, <laughs> but yeah, how totally. the labor market is. <laughs> bring her out. <laughs> um, how much the labor market is changing and how much a dis how much of a disservice we're doing to our youth and and college age kids. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. With the the standard ways of teaching and. Um, um, what I love is I feel like, um, you know, a school by teachers for teachers, like without admin, um, you know, making those decisions, like you're really making decisions as an educator with the students coming first, like we all like, that's just how we operate as educators. Um, and so just thinking about what you can offer, when there are no siloed disciplines, right, we're not in these silos and not talking to each other. And, um, you know, there are examples of that happening in institutions, but it's so 
so few and far between and you really have to seek them out and it really needs to become standard. So I love that you're taking a non-traditional platform. You're taking, you know, not quote unquote non-traditional pedagogies and, you know, you are just coming together and being like, how, like, how can we make education both fun, practical, like Lindsay, I would love to hear maybe some of the courses you guys have taught knowing Lindsay's background. I'm, you know, we're friends on Facebook and I'm seeing his posts all the time. (laughs) Um, And he's taught some fun things. And so I want people to get a feel for what this school is. um, Because I think, you know, people listening, maybe they also have kids, right? Or maybe they want to come teach for you guys, right? (laughs) So um, I think that would be really cool. So give us a little taste of what the school's like and how it works. Sure. I mean, now we've got... uh We've got someone who's going to teach poetics and dramatics who has a background in spoken word. Um, oh, cool. And she's amazing. I went to college with her. Um, she's absolutely brilliant. Um, we have uh, another another third to fifth grade ESL Spanish um, teacher who can teach ESL populations and also teach Spanish. Uh, we have a philosophy and ethics teacher. That's sort of at the high level, but to kind of dig in a little bit here, we're really looking for people who can can make the subject come alive in real ways for kids. And so, you know, it's a lot easier to, for me to speak to how I do that in engineering because that's what I do. But, you know, I'm <laughs> constantly challenging students to say, like, how could you make a tower out of licorice? Um, because I want them thinking about the material properties of the licorice and the trial and error. And I want it to be something that there's not sort of an answer key somewhere online that they can go like dig up. I mean, there's so many sp- spaghetti and marshmallow towers are so overdone that it can't Google <laughs> like, how do you do a spaghetti marshmallow tower. And I really want to sort of create that original creative, um, critical thinking that mm-hmm. really drives um, kids and their creative. And I also like just giving them projects that I just don't know what they're going to do with it. Right. So mm. in my engineering of everyday things, I, I have at the start of class, I start with the clothespin and we start with sort of making observations of the clothespin. We learn about how the clothespins are manufactured and we have, um, we have that going on. Um, we have, um, and then at the end of the class, I challenge them though to design a better clothespin. And then I also ask them like, what are three everyday things that you use that you want to learn more about the engineering? So I don't even know what my class is going to be uh, until the kids give me <laughs> until my they next tell you. <laughs> three topics. Um, yeah. And so, you know, but I just like being on my toes to think about it all mm. the time because like, you know, a kid, you know, one week they wanted to learn about wall sockets and why wall sockets were different in different countries. That's a great so like, question. I, I want to know that. I just, I'm here in London. So I, know. I, have to like, yeah, why I also want like, Lindsay to teach me how to build a hovercraft. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the reason why they're different is it's um, when electricity was coming online, we, we weren't thinking necessarily about international travel. And so the electrical grid sure. standardized within countries. Um, and by the time we got to the end of World War II, where we really started caring about standard electrical grids again, um, by that time, there was so much infrastructure for electricity uh. laid in the 20s, 30s, and 40s that you just nobody wanted to go through. There you and go. Like, yeah, but that's that's <laughs> change sort of it where, all. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but to go from like wall plugs into a project that the kids could actually execute, you know, mm-hmm. and how do you? Go- mm-hmm. So I had them building flashlights at the end of that module because we got about electricity and power generation and uh, oh, cool. storage. But you know, it's 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 walking the walk from whatever they throw you to it's very something, dynamic something yeah, that they can I do. I love it. Yeah, yeah. 
and curiosity driven, Absolutely. which I think is just so and, and you know, in our over standardized schools and test, you know, teaching to the test and all that stuff. It's like, well, we I can't even answer that question or spend minutes or moments looking up why there's a, like international plugs, because I don't have the energy or the time and I don't get paid enough. And this is obviously from the teacher's <laughs> perspective. Um, but you know, we all know the shortcomings of the current education system. So I won't go too far Indeed. into that. Um, but um, very cool. So uh, I love where this is going. I love what you guys are up to. Um, I would, if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe some of the struggles around starting a business. And I know Lindsay's been doing it for a little bit longer. But if I could hear, um, you know, kind of the bumps that you've hit along the way. And then if you want to maybe add in some advice as well for listeners about really taking this plunge and, and putting yourself out there and even just looking for a second stream of income as well. So maybe not even just starting an entire company, but um, looking into other ways of making money. Yeah, well, I mean, but I think that the, you know, the core of it for me is, you know, plan for to be on plan Q by the time you get started. Like, yeah, for it's, sure. It's going to be really dynamic. It's going to really change. You're going to, you know, you're going to try, you're going to fail, you're going to try, you're going to fail, you're going to try, you're going to fail. And so like, you know, know that whatever decisions that you make on a given day, you're probably not going to see what they're actually what how they're playing out until about 90 days later. So, you know, like having the patience mm. to just sort of sit and kind of ride that roller coaster, um, not do anything too terribly drastic, like right at the beginning, because like, it's really easy to have like one good month and then have absolute famine in business. And, you know, like you have to understand that when you're out on your own and mm -hmm. you're doing your own thing, like security is not there. Like the, um, the, the, the safety nets are not there. No. Like the, the backup, the, um, like what happens if you get mm -hmm. sick? Right. So I feel like, you know, one of the things that I wish I'd known more in hindsight is just the value in going a little bit more slowly, um, to like try and, you know, and now I feel like I'm on like mm, my seventh, eighth, ninth, good. tenth attempt at doing something, but I've picked up so much knowledge on the way in terms of like how to write the contracts, how to make sure that I Mm -hmm. I know when I need to get legal help, like how to really say like, this is not a question I want to handle solo. This is, this is something that I definitely need to get some other perspective on before I try to answer it. Um, you know, these are, mm -hmm. these are, these are the huge things that are really, really important. Yeah. That's great advice. I think for me, it was just realizing that I could do this. Mm. You know, like just like having this idea and sort of dispelling this myth that like people who start businesses have business degrees or, you know, mm. have mm -hmm. sort of lots of experience with this sort of thing. And I think really you just need the passion and you need the vision and you need to know what you don't know. And you need mm -hmm. to know how to find people who know what you don't know. Yes. Yes. Um, and who share that vision and to work yeah. together to build it. Because um, I think a lot of the sort of hesitant, you know, hesitation with starting your own business is, you know, and Lindsay kind of touched on this too, is this idea of like isolation and doing it within a vacuum yep. and doing yep. it on your own. Um, but part of what I love about this process has been, you know, again, like just being honest about what I don't know and like learning on the job and, you know, you know, finding somebody who, ha you know, has, who's half of their brain, you know, works, does different things than, than mine does. Um, mm -hmm. and finding where we come together. So I think really just, I think my advice would just be take the plunge. You know, if you've got an idea, if it's something that's been going on in your head for a while, um, just do it, you know, there's mm -hmm. nothing to lose, you know, and nothing to lose. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Yay. That's awesome. And everything to gain, you know, everything to gain. So 
Very, very true. And you know what's funny? And I've, I've, this has come up in multiple um, interviews that I've done is this idea of um, just the self development, personal development um, that comes with starting a business and, um, you know, managing your own finances and, um, you know, yeah, asking for help when you need it, knowing where to go for help, confidence. I mean, there's so many pieces of it that just, tends to be overlooked in academia. Um, we, we, you know, it's not, it's looked down upon that you don't really ask for help. There's some sort of like, you know, every man, woman, person for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Like you either can cut it yeah. or you can't, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think there is something to be said about like self-improvement and growing as a human being and taking those risks. And if you're not taking those risks, you're actually not really growing <laughs> because yeah, you're not realizing exactly. where your limits are, what you enjoy doing as much as we thought. And that's something that I've learned in this in this whole process. Um, very cool. Well, I think that would be a cool place to stop. I feel like I got um, just so much, you know, background information from you guys. And I'm just so excited to see where this project goes. Um, I would Thank love you. for you guys to share how people can find you. Uh, particularly, we can drop in the show notes any sort of teacher application. I have a feeling that um, some people listening might be very qualified to potentially teach for you guys. Um, and if not, they can obviously send their kids uh, your way as well and share you out on social media. Yeah, so give us some of those social media links. Yeah, so I mean, we're at masterteacherscollective.com. Uh, that's sort of our, our main kind of clearinghouse at the moment. Um, you know, we have um, our, our emails are, are very easy. Um, Laura Beth would be the person to contact as our director of personnel. I'm the director of operations. And so we're trying to, you know, for, for your audience, uh, Laura Beth at masterteacherscollective.com is the, the right uh, right point of contact because if anybody gets in touch with me, I'm going to say, talk to Laura Beth. And Laura Beth is all one word, like Elizabeth, but with a Laura. There you go. And so, yeah, um, you know, right now we're really trying to um, get ourselves started up, um, get ourselves started up strong. Um, since this is a, a joint business, we're trying to make sure that we have our, our legal stuff together, mm -hmm. that we have some of our initial marketing together. And again, sure. these are the things that you learn uh, through doing it. And yep. so, you know, right now we are, um, we're actively um, seeking support so that we can uh, start to get some scholarship stuff together as well. And so... Oh, that would be great. Yes. yes. I'm going to share our Kickstarter link to you. Oh, perfect. Yes. Kickstarter. Yes. Because you guys need that foundational support. When do you think uh, the first classes will be hosted? Uh -huh. Do you have an idea? or? Yeah. Our goal is to launch with content on the site by January 15th. Uh, wow. Is our goal nice. for yeah. um, content on the site. We're trying to get up real fast. Um, yeah. We hope to be offering live classes starting in February. Cool. Um, but you know, again, there's a lot of things that we're still working out there. Um, but we're on a really aggressive, um, development timeline because, you know, we're, we're seeing that this is needed and we're seeing yeah. that this is something that people really, really want. And so we're really trying to, um, uh, make sure that we have as much as we uh, possibly can. Um, but we will, we are working really hard. We're really interested. Really hard. In, we're really <laughs> interested in, in small level sponsorships that allow us to mm. really trust uh, teachers. We're not looking for huge grants. Um, we're really loving mm. the small, small 
you know, under $2,000 style donations to help us. Um, Obama really style, make- right? That's how we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we, we really want to try to make sure that we're, um, we're remaining affordable and accessible and we are, uh, growing with, with scholarship, uh, in mind because, you know, one of the things about how we're figuring out what classes to offer is Laura, Beth and I are trying to network with, um, you know, kids that we're seeing on, on the subway systems in DC. Yeah. And- oh, I literally, wow. the other Smart. week I was, I was on the train and there were a bunch of middle school kids, uh, from my neighborhood and they were just, they were riding between the cars and just, mm-hmm. you know, just running all over hell. And I, you know, and I stopped and I, and I said, Hey guys, you're like, what? And I was like, so I'm a teacher um, and I'm starting this online collective of teachers. And if you guys were to take an online class, what kind of classes would you want to take? Ooh. And their eyes just lit Really? Up. And yeah. one of them was like, oh, I want to take a class on the history of basketball. That'd be so cool. You know, and then mm. another one was like, oh, and, you know, maybe westward expansion. And then another kid was like, oh, well, maybe percentages and ELA. And um, so I wrote all I of them down. That. You know, yeah. I'm talking to people on the street and just getting yeah. suggestions. I love that. And it, it reminds me of going to college, right? Like picking <laughs> electives, right? Exactly. That, that were exactly. fun and interesting. And so the fact that you're bringing that, why? Why not? Like, why isn't that at that level? Ooh, that just gave it me, that be. made me excited. I know. Um, I know. That's why I'm like, we got to talk to Lindsay. We got to talk to Lindsay. Cause you know, you, we know that, yeah. we know that you understand what we're about here. And like, I totally are, get it. We are yeah. absolutely 1 million percent committed to building an inclusive, welcoming, affirming, safe community mm. for, for, for critical mm. thinking. Like we want to be an incubator yep. for critical thought that, helps kids uh, really survive in this ever-changing world where all the rules are changing all the time and you can't you can't depend or trust I mean unfortunately it's sad like we want to be in a world where we can depend and trust uh, people and institutions but institutions that's not where we're at right now and so we're we're, we're, we're trying to bridge that gap by saying let's bring the very very best educators that we can possibly find together let's do everything we can to build an organization that strives to do right by them at every turn and have that be our first and foremost criteria of decision making like is this is this is this teacher friendly because if we if we mm. pursue a set of policies that are truly teacher friendly that enable and empower the mm-hmm. professionalism of teachers like Mm-hmm. Everybody's everybody, happy. Everybody, you know? wins. Mm-hmm. everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this everybody just got wins. me so excited. I am so glad that I started my week with this interview because it's fantastic. Oh. Do you want to finish a thought, Laura? Oh, Laura oh yeah, sure. No, when it, what I was going to say that master teachers never stop learning. Mm. You know, and that's something that we also want to model for our students is that, you know, once you're a master, you still have to learn. Um, yes. You know, that lifelong learning, mastery is about lifelong learning. Um, so we really want to instill that sort of excitement. And, you know, we want to be that platform that people come to for those like really cool kind of esoteric one of a kind classes that yep. are really fun with really passionate, well, you know, really qualified teachers. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about the future of this because <laughs> I already am like thinking in my head people that w- would fit this. Um, I'm getting lots of messages having announced what my podcast is. Um, you know, some of them in you know college level, but other people not. Like and and you know, uh, you know, elementary school teachers and high school teachers Fantastic. who also are you know trying to figure out how they can make some side cash because they're not yeah. getting paid enough. So yeah, we um, want to support I you guys. I'm just so excited to share <laughs> this. Yes, I think there. 
there is a bright future for this and for your program because I think uh, it's it, you're filling such a need and it's so amazing. Thank so, you so much, thank Lindsay. you, you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I will have to have you on in a couple, like in a little bit. Like maybe we'll check <laughs> in and in you know end of next quarter or something. Yeah, and we'll for see sure. how things are going yeah, and yeah, um, and uh, get you guys sponsored on the show or Woo! something. Oh, Very and cool. I left our Kickstarter project link um, in the chat here. I see it. Yay, Yay, we're perfect. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lindsay.